first thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here is Mike Parsons. Well, buckle up, everybody. Next week is going to be uh, quite a week, to say the least, starting with Monday, former President Trump. He's planning a press conference in hopes of exonerating himself of the accusations of trying to overturn the election in Georgia. Then Wednesday, that's the first scheduled Republican debate in Milwaukee. Will he? Won't he show up? If he does show up, what kind of sparks are going to fly on on stage between him and Mike Pence, who may be called as witness in the uh, uh, Jack Smith trial of Donald Trump trying to overturn the elections on on the federal level? And uh, how will the other candidates address um, the the indictments against Donald Trump? Are they going to go for the jugular? Are they going to be cautious um, if he even shows up at all? And then on Friday, uh, Donald Trump and his 18 fellow indictees are scheduled to turn themselves in at the courthouse in Atlanta on the Georgia stolen election accusations, attempted stolen election accusations. As predicted, uh, Donald Trump is trying to get that Georgia trial moved from state court to federal court, arguing that he's been indicted for things he's accused of doing while he's president. Um, It would be easier for Donald Trump to pardon himself on federal charges if he's elected again, because uh, presidents can't pardon state charges, but they can pardon federal charges. Michigan's referenced a number of times in the Fulton County D.A. Fonnie Willis's indictment, uh, 98 pages. She mentions the meeting Donald Trump called with then state Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky and then State House Speaker Lee Chatfield. At the White House to discuss the former president's concerns, quote unquote, about election results here in Michigan, as well as references to Rudy Giuliani and Trump campaign attorney Jenna Ellis urging lawmakers to award Michigan's electoral votes to Donald Trump. Rudy Giuliani uh, lying to Georgia lawmakers about voting machines in Antrim County, switching votes from Trump to Biden. Uh, Sidney Powell's claims against Dominion voting machines, especially in Antrim County. Those are mentioned along with uh, the 16 people charged with trying to submit false electors and the group of election deniers who tried to seize voting machines to test them for accuracy. So uh, a lot in that indictment. And and, and, and once again, Michigan finds itself uh, featured prominently. And then a 64-year-old uh, Matthew Thomas Kroll of Linden, he pled guilty to assaulting a police officer during the January 6th riot at the Capitol, Kroll, he's the self-professed former leader of the Genesee County Volunteer Militia. He entered a plea deal in Washington, D.C. to felony count of assaulting, uh, resisting or impeding certain officers using a deadly weapon. Uh, he's accused of throwing water bottles at pl- uh, a water bottle at a police officer. Uh, he's accused of grabbing one police officer's baton and hitting another police officer with it. Kroll's attorney say says that uh, Kroll is very remorseful. Hunter Biden's lawyers are arguing that prosecutors went back on a plea agreement involving federal tax and gun charges. But uh, prosecutors disagree. Fox's David Spun is at the Justice Department. Not even three weeks after special counsel David Weiss and Hunter Biden sat in a courtroom prepared for a plea deal, the two are further apart than ever. Weiss responding to Hunter's legal team. First, the government did not renege on the previously agreed upon plea agreement as the defendant inaccurately asserts in the first substantive sentence of his response. 
The filing comes two days after Hunter Biden's attorneys told federal judge Mary Ellen Norica they believe a diversion agreement on a felony gun charge to allow the president's son to avoid jail time is valid and binding. Hunter Biden's attorney, Christopher Clark, he's filed to withdraw from the case. He believes that he may be called as a witness on the deals negotiating and drafting, meaning he cannot act as Hunter Biden's lawyer. Death toll in Maui is now up to 106 because of those wildfires. The county is saying 32% of the affected area has been searched. Governor Josh Green says it's more like 27%. Moody's Investor Services, they're estimating that the insurance losses from those wildfires will top $1 billion at least. The Pacific Disaster Center in FEMA, they estimate that more then 2,000 structures were damaged or destroyed and another 2,700 exposed to the wildfires and that the average single-family home in the area is valued at uh, about $1.5 million. Now, wildfire victims, they're reportedly being contacted by predatory realtors and investors attempting to buy their land at a discount since it's now fire damaged. And uh, President Biden, he's authorized $700 payments to displaced Hawaiians to cover immediate needs. UAW is expected to vote on whether or not to authorize a strike if a deal is not reached with the big three by the deadline on September 15th. UAW President Sean Fain released a statement yesterday ahead of his uh, Facebook Live appearance that said the strike authorization vote was expected to start uh, this upcoming Sunday. And then he goes on to say whether or not there's a strike next month. That's entirely up to the big three. Um, Our priorities are clear. The companies can afford them. And there's plenty of time for the big three to get serious about negotiations. Here's Sean Fain uh, on his Facebook Live appearance yesterday. GM has responded to our demands by by saying that our demands for fair wages, cost of living, retirement security, and more paid time off are a threat to our collective future. Stellantis even went further. COO Mark Stewart wrote a patronizing letter to our members saying we need to tone down our demands in the name of economic realism. We later learned from media reports that Stewart wrote that letter from his second multi-million dollar mansion in Acapulco, Mexico, where he spent the last two weeks vacationing rather than bargaining. That's the economic realism the companies want us to accept. They make billions in profits and millions in executive salaries while the rest of us live paycheck to paycheck. Fain maintains that the talks are moving slowly and have not even reached the economical portion of the negotiations where they talk about wages and compensation. Uh, The UAW represents 150,000 workers. It has over $800 million in its strike fund. Now, if the union does go on strike, workers will receive $500 a week out of that fund. Now, this vote, it's normally a formality, but uh, it feels like it's a little more consequential due to the tenor of this round of talks. Madonna has rescheduled her Detroit date on her uh, 40th anniversary celebration tour to Monday, January 15th. She was originally supposed to perform on August 8th, but she had rescheduled uh, the majority of her tour dates because she was hospitalized for a serious infection. Uh, Madonna was born here. She was born Louise Chaconi in Bay City. She grew up in an area of Pontiac that's now considered Rochester Hills. And uh, on a personal note, her half-sister 
was actually my art teacher at Huron Elementary School in Clinton Township, where she called my paper mache work shoddy. She thinks that's shoddy. She should hear my radio work. It's First Things with Mike Parsons on WJR. Guy Gordon and Lloyd Jackson are up next at 6. Now, it's First Thing with Mike Parsons. I brought him in a little early. I always need help finishing the show. Nick Roddy, Lloyd Jackson, Guy Gordon in studio. And, uh, you know, Guy, I, I'm, I'm not going to say this often, but uh, you you may have been right about something we disagreed on yesterday. No. What would that have been? We were talking about um, if this uh, Georgia trial um, for uh, charges that Donald Trump tried to overturn the election in, in the state of Georgia, if it were to be televised, it would be... Um, O.J. Simpson-esque when it came to interest in people watching. I thought, absolutely, Guy wasn't so sure. And then uh, I, I encourage people to stick around to 619 because we uh, are replaying a, a, an illuminating <laughs> interview with Rich Tao, um, president of Engages. And uh, how would you um, describe Engages? He does a lot of focus groups with swing voters and gets their perspective on things. Yeah, he's head of the Swing Voter Project, and they look exclusively at this core of voters in the middle that swing back and forth, and they are more often than not determinative of how the election's going to go. So, you know, he talked to these swing voters, and these are people who are just living their lives. They're not... They're it not... sounds more exciting than it is. Yeah. I'm a swing voter. <laughs> hey, put your keys in the fishbowl <laughs> on the way to the ballot. Um Hey, you know, these people aren't, aren't uh, loser dorks like us who are uh, immersed in this stuff all the time. And uh, it turned out that not only are they not really um, they're not really clear on, on, on what all the indictments are, they're not necessarily that interested. And, and I found that kind of shocking because, you know, we're 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 submerged in it all the time and we i i kind of have this perspective that 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 everyone's hanging on every second of these indictments the hunter biden stuff all that and uh it it, it seems like at least with these swing voters it's kind of background noise yeah they they've made their up up their minds you know they've kind of, everybody's kind of made their mind up on yeah. donald trump yeah. you either and, love him you hate him and and you know settled and i think you have so many other choices mm-hmm. to watch yeah. other than, you know, when OJ was on and it was on every, you know, two, you know, it was on ABC, NBC, CBS. There was no know. Internet or, or yeah, smartphones. So, 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 so much more. When did we get to the part where I was right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think and, and you're going to make me say it. I think you're smart enough to pick up on, on when I said it subtly. But the part where I think you might have been right is that there might not be as much interest in a televised trial as I thought. Um, I still think all the networks are going to carry it. I still think it's going to dominate the conversation on the talking head shows. But uh, people who live in the real world, they may check in at the beginning. They may check in on the end and then live their lives in between. So in our house, we we have a a rule, which is you don't say I told you so. Oh, boy. It's just not nice. Uh But what my wife does do... She has this little thing called her right dance that she does. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to demonstrate it for you, but it's like, you know, kind of a little shimmy shake. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was right. I was right. Yeah. 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 No, for not, those for I'm those listening, that's the uh, he just did the exact Elaine dance from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Well, here's my here's my confession. Oh, I think you were right about air shows. 
I kind of gave you some pushback wow. on, on Monday about, you know, that maybe it's time to put air shows away. I'm going to modify it a bit and say, by God, we better adjust where we put these air shows from yeah. now on. When you look at the proximity of where that MIG almost crashed into to that apartment, apartment complex, yeah. it, it's time to say, look, we, whatever flight path they're going to use to prep for their runs, it has to be over vacant space. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of rural airports so out there. You were right about wow. that. Wow. Uh, Lloyd, is there anything you'd like to tell Guy and I that we've been right about? Uh, no, I'm not. Well, that's because <laughs> no, Lloyd's been... never wrong. Yeah, Welcome I mean... to the confessional. <laughs> Well, I feel like uh, I feel like this is this has been healing. Thank thank you for this. A little hum- okay, we have therapy Thursday, and this is Hump Day healing. Yeah. <laughs> Both available for sponsorships. Uh, Guy, you touched on this at the end of the show yesterday, mm. and, and and we didn't get to it. Because, Wasn't enough time. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know we're, it's Trump a Palooza, but it seems like the on again off again cage fight between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Uh, is off again. I guess Zuckerberg, and I'm starting to think this is just a ploy to... That's what I'm thinking, too. Uh, ...to promote their social media yes. platforms. He made a post on threads, which I've already forgotten about, saying that I think we can all agree that Elon isn't serious and it's time to move on. Uh, last week, Elon said he was going for an MRI in his back and neck and he'd be able to nail down a date when he f- found out whether or not he needed surgery. Um uh, Elon Musk said that uh, Mark Zuckerberg can't eat a Chick-fil-A because that would be cannibalism, uh, accusing him of of trying to back out. And uh, um, he posted Elon Musk posted this weird tw- uh, uh, text message exchange between him and Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg says, if you want to do a real MMM fight, then let me know. I don't want to keep something that will never happen. Um to which Elon Musk said that he'll be in Palo Alto on Monday and that he wanted to do a practice fight in Mark Zuckerberg's octagon in his backyard. So this thing is just getting bizarre. I'm I'm kind of with Zuckerberg here. I'm done with this thing until you tell me a date. I don't care anymore. I kind of always thought it was never going to happen anyway and that they were just hyping up each other's slow social media platforms. Yeah, I, I, I mean the, the the fact that they reference Mark Zuckerberg's Threads platform is is kind of what rang the alarm bells in my head. So it, should we just uh, in, have our own ban on 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 those news stories because they're illegitimate now? Well, Int- until they're in the or, ring, and or are we men- going to just wallow in their nonsense? No. Well, I, I don't know if it's a ban, but I'm just I'm just done with the story until <sighs> until it happens. Until it happens or until there's better trash talk than you can't eat chi- at Chick-fil-A because you'll be a cannibal. I'm just, uh, I, I, I feel like we're getting punked. That's all. I hope the devil has a penthouse in hell for them. <laughs> wow. I'm just, I'm just I, I, they are two of the more, most self-absorbed individuals in the world. They're right up there with Kardashians. Just yeah, Please. and uh, what's the term? Is there if there's a way they 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 could both lose? That's what I'd be rooting for. Yeah. All right, Jr. Morning coming up. The last thing each day is to set an alarm for first thing with Mike Parsons, seven sixty WJR. Donald Trump's indictment in Georgia may very well be the only one of the four of the former president's indictments to be televised. New York, where the Stormy Daniels hush money trial will take place, doesn't allow cameras into the courtroom. 
Mar-a-Lago documents and federal trial over accusations of Donald Trump trying to overturn the election are just that. They're federal trials and cameras are forbidden there as well. But there are no such laws for state trials in Georgia. Matt Friedman, co-founder of Tanner Friedman Strategic Communications, talks to Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz about how that could change things on All Talk. You know, in the public eye, you want to be able to see what's happening behind closed doors. Certainly want to see what happens in a courtroom, and that's why they're open to the public. But what if it's a major, major case, like four indictments against the former president of the United States? You know, there's another indictment that was handed down last night, another chapter in this never-ending political saga, and it's from New York, D.C., Georgia, Florida, it's everywhere. These legal battles are now part of the campaign trail. The problem becomes, Kevin, some of the courtrooms, like the federal cases, you're not going to see any of this behind closed doors. There's no courtroom, no cameras are going to be allowed in the courtroom. But they will be allowed, apparently, uh, in the uh, at least the Georgia case, it appears that's going to be the case. So that's going to have an impact on the campaigns. Yeah, I I, uh, I used to cover federal courts for, for decades, Tom. And uh, we used to, uh, the real challenge was trying to tell the story on TV when you're covering a federal court case. Because right. you didn't have much. Maybe you had a sketch uh, from the courtroom. Uh, you had the people walking in and walking mm-hmm. out, but not much. And we, we used to joke that uh, we needed to make uh, puppets uh, when the Kilpatrick case was going yes. on. Because uh, we had to do uh, federal court every day for yeah. 10 months. During his trial, we were like, we need a bunch of puppets. Of all these we did little sock puppets and acted out <laughs> on the courtroom steps. Because uh, you, you don't have much to work with. You defend with. somebody with that, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, in, in the public, they, they have to just listen to the talking heads like like myself at that point, And uh, they don't get to see for themselves. But state court... Forget it. Uh, there's cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, so typically a reporter would show you a synopsis of what happened. But with Donald Trump, this is going to be wall-to-wall coverage. This is going to be like court TV, yeah. uh, you know, start to finish. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on your television set. People are going to be able to to see it. If you, if you think uh, the case against Trump's been a circus so far, um, get ready, Tom, for yes. the greatest show on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Just now is Matt Freeman. Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Co-founder of Tanner Freeman Strategic Communities. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Kevin, Tom, uh, good morning. Kevin, I remember the cases you covered, though, in Wayne County Circuit Court with Judge Groner with Kilpatrick, yes. and we saw it all. And I remember one time when the former mayor jawed at you in the courtroom, and we got to see it. You didn't just have to describe it. We saw it and heard it. Yeah, that one was in uh, in, in the county court. So uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, when he got uh, sentenced, uh, uh, he turned around, the, the, the sheriff's deputy came and put handcuffs on me, he turned around and said, thanks, Kevin, as if I, <laughs> as if I was responsible yeah. for his problems. Uh, he, <laughs> did, he did not care for my coverage. Yeah, but in federal court, a different story. This, so how when you look at Trump here, Matt, um, how big of a deal and how big of a difference are these cases going to be between the federal cases um, that, that you don't get the cameras in the court and the Georgia case where you do? Well, from a media perspective, I mean, you mentioned the circus nature of it and the television and online programming opportunity that will be a part of it. But I look at it from a public relations perspective. And one of the things I've had to talk to clients about over the years, um, and we talk to our Tanner Friedman clients about this when they get into trouble or they feel like they're misunderstood, we say that access can be the best disinfectant. Um, If you really think that the public doesn't understand what you do, allow them in and let them see it happen. 
And I think that is there's going to be um, a public good that will be done, never mind, you know, all the negatives that might come with it, but fundamentally a public good and seeing how the judicial process works in this case. One of the things that Trump has been uh, calling the proceedings has been fake. But if the public has an opportunity to see that they're real and make their own conclusions based on what they see, that's good for public understanding. Yeah, I like it. I I like it a lot uh, because um, you you get these headlines or you get more you get talking points even more than headlines. And and you hear them over and over and over again. And suddenly that somehow becomes your opinion. But when you when you watch a case play out in court uh, and, and you get the opportunity to see all the all the small details of a case, you ultimately make up your own mind. And I would guess most of the time it's it's going to be different one way or the other from where, where you started. I think so. And I, I think we see this in um, all aspects of public life um, from Congress and what C-SPAN did, you know, 40 years ago and giving access to Congress when we have seen contentious legislation be debated on the floor. Uh, you know, are the members of Congress playing to the cameras? Of course. But does it give a better understanding of what's happening rather than just uh, allowing for a condensed description of you know, secondhand or even thirdhand? Of course it does. Um, and we see that uh, year in and year out in, in those proceedings. I think that will be helpful in the courtroom. And I think even with the Supreme Court and all the controversies around the Supreme Court, and the understanding that most Americans now have of the significance of Supreme Court decisions, these proceedings have a chance to potentially influence public opinion that might, might get cameras into federal courts or at least the Supreme Court at some point because more Americans are going to want to see and hear and experience it firsthand. Oh, I agree. I, I would love it. Even if it's like a C-SPAN type of coverage where there's always a camera we see that in the Senate. We see it in the House of Representatives. If it got into the Supreme Court, that would be wonderful because here's the issue, I think, for a lot of people. that Not only do they not trust uh, what might be happening, maybe right now there's some distrust with the Department of Justice and the judicial system in general, but there's also a sense of distrust with the news media and what, what they're being told. Is it accurate? This would pretty much do away with all of that. If somebody decides to watch the entirety of this case, they can see all the evidence presented to the jury and make their own decisions that way. I mean, it seems like in some sense it's come down to that necessity, hasn't it? It has. And I, we have so much technology available to us now that court proceedings don't just have to be watched in the living room or in the break room of the office. They can be watched on the laptop, on the iPad, on the phone. Um, they can be The audio can be streamed into your car while you're driving. There's so much more access now to everything, really except the court's uh, at the federal level, um, that the expectation, I think, by the consumer is going to be, I want to see this and hear this, see the look in their eye, hear the tone in their voice, and, and that's just good for everybody. I spent a lot of time covering the O.J. Simpson case mm-hmm. back in 1994-95 in Atlanta, coincidentally, for most of that time, mm-hmm. where I was working in TV news. And, you know, that case was so exceptional in so many ways that for some reason it became known as the standard for what happens to with cameras in the courtroom. But as both of you know from covering courts on, on TV and now on the radio, 
you know, courts get covered every day in the states that allow them, and there usually are not problems. It's usually a net benefit for society, and that's what should be looked at here, it seems. Yeah, sound bites don't always tell the whole story, because you could read the entirety of this transcript with this phone call between Trump and Ratzenberger back in Georgia, and it tells a lot more. Context is very, very important. From the perspective of an attorney, do you think that they appreciate when cameras are in, are in the courtroom, or does it depend on what side of the, uh, the argument they sit? You know, I've, I've worked with attorneys before who have argued cases um, where there have been cameras present, and there are certain things that I think they think about. But I think if it's an extended proceeding, like a trial, from what I understand, after a while they're really hyper-focused on doing their job in the courtroom. And the fact that there's a camera or more than one camera there is almost incidental because their interest is representing their client um, in the court of law, in front of the jury, and that's where their focus is. So, you know, I go back to the Simpson trial being an aberration and some of the theatrics we saw then from Johnny Cochran and others. If you, if you talk to attorneys and, and you work with attorneys, and I'm not an attorney, but I work with a lot of them, what you'll find out is that they're really focused on the job at hand. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Um, look, we only have a few seconds left. Uh, considering the significance of a case against a former president, uh, do you think there should be a waiver at the federal level and let cameras in for those cases as well? My personal opinion is, yes, from a pure – if your interest, if the court's interest is public service, then like I said, from a PR perspective, that access is so critical. So if, if, I, if the courts were my client, which they are not, but if the courts are my client, I would recommend access if public service is part of their mission, and shouldn't it be? Yeah, it really should be. It will be historic if the Supreme Court ends up taking your view on this as well. I hope that day comes. Always appreciate you coming on. Matt Friedman, co-founder of Tanner Friedman Strategic Communications. Good to talk to you, Matt. Thanks so much. Well, getting get some good news from the west side of the state. Drownings in Lake Michigan are down 33% compared to this time last year. Um, that's being credited to uh, cold water temperatures in June, cold wet spring, uh, rainy summer weekends, and Canadian wildfire air quality alerts. It's first thing on WJR. Looks like things are going to get a little bit crazy. Starting with Monday, former President Donald Trump is planning a press conference um, where he says that uh, he will present the findings of a very large, complicated, in-depth report that uh, he claims will exonerate him of, of, of all the charges and accusations he's facing of trying to overturn the election in Georgia from his latest indictment. And then Wednesday is the first scheduled Republican debate in Milwaukee. Um, for the most part, most of the uh, holdouts have signed the loyalty pledge. Uh, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. I believe she was one of the early ones to sign on to the loyalty pledge. Uh, Donald Trump hasn't yet. Chris Christie, I don't I, I'm not sure. I, I, I He called it a useless idea. So I would think that he hasn't signed it yet. But, uh, you know, the main question is, is Donald Trump even going to show up? to this thing and um if he does what are we going to see on stage are the other candidates going to go after him are they going to tread lightly what's going to happen between him and mike pence uh who may be one of the star witnesses in the uh, federal trial um of the charges brought by special counsel jack smith uh for trying to overturn the election on the federal level uh, so that uh, that that might be some must see TV there or it might just be a dud. 
And then uh, on Friday, Donald Trump and his 18 fellow indictees, they're scheduled to turn themselves in um, at the courthouse in Atlanta. And uh, as Guy predicted yesterday on JR Morning, Donald Trump is trying to get the Georgia trial moved from state court to federal court, arguing that uh, what he's being accused of happened uh, while he was president. And it would also be easier to pardon himself of federal charges if he's elected again, because a president can pardon on federal charges. They cannot pardon on state charges. Michigan is referenced a number of time in times in Fulton County DA's Fonnie Willis's 98 page indictment. She mentions the meeting Donald Trump called with um, then state Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky and then state House Speaker Lee Chatfield at the White House to discuss uh, President Trump's quote unquote concerns about the election results here in Michigan. Um, Rudy Giuliani and and Trump campaign attorney Jenna Jenna Ellis, um, they're mentioned because they urge lawmakers to award Michigan electoral votes to Donald Trump. Rudy Giuliani lying to Georgia's lawmakers about voting machines in Antrim County, switching votes from Biden to Trump. I'm sorry, from Trump to Biden. Um, Those false accusations are mentioned in this indictment. Sidney Powell's claims against Dominion voting machines, especially in Antrim County, those are in this indictment along with the 16 people charged trying to submit false electors and the group of election deniers who tried to seize voting machines uh, to test them from accuracy. So uh, lots of uh, lots of Michigan intrigue in in both election overturn indictments, both from Jack Smith on the federal level and Fonnie Willis on the state level in Georgia. Meanwhile, here in Michigan, 64-year-old Matthew Thomas Kroll of Linden, he pled guilty to assaulting a police officer during the January 6th riots at the Capitol. Kroll, uh, who is the self-professed former leader of the Genesee County Volunteer Militia, he he entered a plea in Washington, D.C. to a felony count of assaulting, resisting or impeding certain officers using a deadly weapon. Federal prosecutors say that Kroll threw a water bottle at one police officer, grabbed another police officer's baton to hit a third police officer with it. Kroll's attorney says that Kroll is very remorseful now. Hunter Biden's attorney, Christopher Clark, has filed to withdraw from um, his case as he believes that he may be called as a witness on the deals negotiating and drafting, meaning he cannot act as his lawyer's. Uh, the lawyers that have stayed on the case, they argue that prosecution, prosecutors went back on a plea deal agreement involving federal tax and gun charges. But uh, prosecutors don't see it the, that way. Fox's David Spun at the Justice Department. Not even three weeks after special counsel David Weiss and Hunter Biden sat in a courtroom prepared for a plea deal, the two are further apart than ever. Weiss responding to Hunter's legal team. First, the government did not renege on the previously agreed upon plea agreement as the defendant inaccurately asserts in the first substantive sentence of his response. The filing comes two days after Hunter Biden's attorneys told federal judge Mary Ellen Norica they believe a diversion agreement on a felony gun charge to allow the president's son to avoid jail time is valid and binding. At last check, the death toll in the Maui wildfires um, are at 106 people now. Uh, the county says that 32% of the affected area has been searched. Governor Josh Green says it's more like 27%. Moody's Investor Services, they're estimating that the insurance losses from those wildfires will top a billion dollars easily. 
Pacific Disaster Center in FEMA estimate that more than 2,000 structures were damaged or destroyed and another 2,700 exposed to the wildfires and that the average single-family home in that area is valued at about $1.5 million. Victims of the wildfire, they're reporting uh, that they're being contacted by predatory realtors and investors attempting to buy their land at a discount now that it's been fire damaged. President Biden has authorized $700 payments to displace Hawaiians uh, to cover immediate needs. UAW is expected to vote on whether or not to authorize a strike if a deal is not reached with the big three by the September 15th deadline. UAW President Sean Fain released a statement yesterday that said the strike authorization vote was expected to start on Sunday. And he goes on to say that whether or not there's a strike next month is entirely up to the big three. Uh, He says that the UAW's priorities are clear. Uh, The companies can afford them, and there's plenty of time for the big three to get serious about negotiations. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, he also says that the clock is ticking. Uh, Fain maintains that talks are moving slowly and have not reached the economic portion of the negotiations. Now, um, a vote like this is normally a formality, but, uh, of course, with the tenor of the talk so far. Because that's where it belongs, the trash, because that's what it is. Uh, make this vote feel like it's a little more significant. North Korea, they have commented for the first time publicly on Travis King, the American soldier who crossed into North Korea last month after ditching his plane ride back here to the United States to face disciplinary measures after getting into legal trouble in South Korea where he was serving in the Army. North Korean uh, state-run media said that King confessed that he crossed over into North Korea because he harbored ill, ill feelings against inhumane maltreatment and racial discrimination within the U.S. Army and that he expressed willingness to seek refuge in North Korea or another country. The U.S. Defense Department says they cannot confirm North Korea's claims, and I'm guessing because it's uh, most likely propaganda. Deja Taylor, the mother of a six-year-old boy who brought a gun to school and shot his teacher back in January, pled guilty to felony child neglect in court yesterday after prosecutors dropped the misdemeanor charge of reckless storage of fire of a firearm. Child shot his teacher as she sat at a reading table when a reading specialist restrained the child after he shot the teacher. Six-year-old allegedly said, I shot that expletive dead. I got my mom's gun last night. Now, the teacher did survive, uh, but she has resigned and is now suing the school for $40 million for gross negligence and failing to respond aggressively to multiple warnings that the child had a gun at school on the day of the shooting. Uh, The child brought the gun to school in a backpack, but no word on how he actually acquired it other than he stole it from his mother. He is currently in the care of his great-grandfather. Deja Taylor is scheduled to be sentenced at an October 27th hearing. Madonna rescheduled her Detroit date for her 40th anniversary celebration tour. Uh, It's going to be Monday, January 15th. She was really supposed to perform in August, but she had to reschedule because uh, she was hospitalized for a serious infection. Madonna's a Michigan girl. She was born here in Bay City. She grew up in an area of Pontiac. It's now considered Rochester Hills. Uh, Her half-sister was actually my art teacher at Huron Elementary School in Clinton Township, uh, where she described my paper mache work as shoddy. It's first thing with Mike Parsons on WJR.